We are in Genesis 4 this morning. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 16. Genesis chapter 4, 1 through 16. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the grounds. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the grounds. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the, from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hands. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden." I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We read accounts like this, and uh, we uh, put them in a context of today, and they are heartbreaking uh, to, to consider these kinds of things happening, even in families. And yet, uh, this was shortly, or at least sometime after the, the fall of man, and so we understand that sin was present there at this time, and sin had its way in their life, and uh, caused mayhem in that very first family. And it's still doing that today. We thank you that you've made provision for us, uh, ultimately provision through your son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have eternal life through him. And we are incredibly thankful for that. But we pray that you'll guide us in our study this morning as we consider this, this first uh, incident uh, here in the book of Genesis of family uh, mayhem that takes place as a result of sin and your, how you dealt with it. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. I think the verse I'd like to zero in on this morning is verse 7, where it says, uh, he, God was uh, talking to Cain. He said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Years ago, when I was attending seminary, 
I needed a paper that one of my classmates had. He had already written a particular paper, and I wanted to consult it. So I asked Fred uh, if I could borrow his paper. I wasn't, no, I wasn't plagiarizing Fred's paper. But anyway, so he said, well, it's over at my house, and I, don't, I can't go there right now, but uh, I'll tell you where the key is, and you just go on in my house, into the office, and get the paper. So sure enough, I went to his house, and the key wasn't very difficult to find. An average burglar could have found it quite easily to get in Fred's house. And I went into his house and started crossing the room toward the office. Little did I know that there was danger lurking in Fred's house. Yes, the picture describes the danger. He had a big gray cat over on top of the piano in the dark, and I couldn't see the thing. And uh, when I walked by, that cat leaped on my back and then on my neck and started scratching and claw clawing and biting. <laughs> I'd never experienced any. I mean, I'd been scratched by a cat before, but I'd never had one attack me like that. Well, what do you do with a cat uh, on your arm, on your arm, eating on your arm? Uh, I wouldn't, frankly, I wasn't sure how to get him off there. Finally, I flung him off of there just for self-preservation. Well, you might say that Fred's cat was crouching at the door desiring to have me, but I mastered it that time. How did I master the cat? By getting it off my back and never going back in that house again while the cat was on the attack. Well, from this chapter today, we're told in Genesis 7, uh, that sin is crouching at our door, at our doors, and it desires to have us, but we must gain mastery, and we understand with our uh, understanding of the New Testament, with the Lord's help. <clears throat> We're looking at two firsts on the new earth. The first is, the first first is uh, the first sacrifices, an unacceptable sacrifice is seen in verses one through three. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Into a once perfect world were born two imperfect parents, or two imperfect children, rather, to two imperfect parents. I might pause here to say that you and I, all who have children, all have imperfect, uh, uh, imperfect children, right? All of you who are children of parents had imperfect parents. So we do have that in common, uh, just uh, in the same sense in which uh, Adam and Eve certainly were at that particular time. That actually helps us kind of keep things in perspective, doesn't it? The account tells us about the very first natural births. These were not supernatural births of, of Cain and Abel, but uh, natural births as we would uh, consider them today. Cain, Adam and Eve, rather's first son named Cain. The term Cain came from a root word meaning to acquire or to bring forth. I suspect that that may have been where the, where the word came from. And Abel meant vapor or breath. Both sons were in the agricultural business. What did Cain do? He was a vegetable grower. And uh, uh, Abel, 
What's that? He was a shepherd. Uh, An unspecified period of time passed, and the brothers brought offerings to the Lord. Of Cain, it was said that he brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. There is a variety of opinions on uh, exactly why Cain's offering wasn't accepted. There, there, there are more than one uh, options for that or suggestions. Uh, one, some people say it was because he didn't bring his best as an offering. Others suggest it was because uh, Cain had an attitude of unbelief that God and that God was displeased with his unbelief. And a third, because it was not a blood sacrifice as a picture of the Lord's ultimate uh, sacrifice. I'm inclined toward the third, although we're not given any uh, specific information on that. So uh, it it should be noted, however, that there were non-animal sacrifices under the Old Testament system. All systems or all sacrifices in the Old Testament were not blood sacrifices. Many were. I'd say most were, but not all. And uh, so, anyway, take that uh, into consideration. So how did Cain react when God rejected his offering? He said, well, that's okay. Is that his reaction? How would you describe it in a word? He was angry. The term anger that's used there, uh, you're well acquainted with it, aren't you? Uh, if not for yourself, uh, for, the, for others. Uh, it meant to burn, to be kindled. Uh, and he, then he used the term, his face was downcast. His countenance fell with displeasure. So uh, you could read on Cain's face uh, his attitude when God uh, held him in, into account for that, or took him into account for that. Cain was livid, and it showed. His thinking may have been something like this. That was totally unfair of God. Here I brought all these good things to God, and God should have accepted them graciously. I mean, they were the best of my stuff, and uh, therefore it's the best I could do. Of all the audacity, he accepted my brother's sacrifice and not mine. And you can uh, see all sorts of possible scenarios that may have gone through his head. So let's look at the other sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice. In verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. So by contrast, Abel brought what? What did Abel bring? I was going to say, what was he able to bring? What? First born sheep, thank you, uh, firstborn sheep, and then it mentioned the fat portions, which in, under the Old Testament system, that was also part of the sacrifices that were made, the fat of the animals as well as the animals themselves. Of this offering, we're told that the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Looked with favor as opposed to not looking with favor on Cain's offering. It's almost like the offerings and the persons are mentioned together as as if to indicate that the offerings were associated with the people that offered them, Uh, perhaps the spirit in which they were offered or perhaps uh, disobedience on Cain's part of the 
what his offering consisted of. So then you move on to the next part that's kind of shocking, I guess, if you didn't already know what this... The Lord said to Cain, murder, uh, the first murder is committed in verses 6 to 8. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The Lord began to question Cain. Why are you angry? What was the answer? Well, let's wait a, wait a second on that. As if to say, what right do you have to be angry? You're the offender here. Uh, God wasn't the one that was being offensive. Uh, Cain was the one who was offensive. Then he asked him, why is your face downcast? Did you ever do that with your children? You probably didn't use that kind of language. What would you have said to your children? Why are you pouting? pouting? Uh, that's kind of, the, kind of the notion, except you have to really add a whole bunch of mad in there, too, with, uh, with Cain uh, on this particular instance. And God said, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? Obviously, not being mad and pouting before God was not acceptable uh, to him. What was acceptable to God? What could, what could Cain have done? He didn't choose to, but what could he have done that would have been acceptable to God at that point? Yes, confess, or the word starts with an R. He could have repented at that point, and things would have been turned the other direction for him, but historically, that's not what happened, so I guess we don't have to uh, give a great deal of thought to that. Note the precarious position that Cain was in. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. What's the word picture there that you get as you listen to that or as you read that? What was sin like in uh, Cain's life and, by extension, ours also? Anybody? Word picture? Does that not conjure anything up in your thinking? Yeah. Uh, do what? A cat. A cat, <laughs> a cat of some sort. Uh, it does conjure that up, doesn't it? A, a crouching lion or some other ferocious beast waiting outside his door for him. It's kind of interesting, the word that's used for master, that he's saying you, should, you must master your sin, is the same Hebrew word that would be used to reign or to rule. A noun form would be to be king uh, over that particular thing. Some of the lessons that we can take for ourselves about the way sin works here from this illustration, the first is that it waits, sin waits and waits and waits. It often stays for a long time and stays available for a long time, doesn't it? Doesn't sin kind of do that in your life? I mean, it's just there and kind of oftentimes doesn't go away, and it offers itself again and again, uh, whatever form it may, may have taken. Secondly, while it's often very appealing, yet it's incredibly dangerous to dabble in sin. I found a, ran across a good illustration, I think, of that. 
a couple of entertainers, Siegfried and Roy, with Manticore. Can you even see that? The uh, um, the decoration in between them. What is it? A tiger, white tiger. Those two two fellows were noted uh, entertainers and magicians, and they were mainly known, or at least what I had heard. I don't. I was not their fan, uh, but uh, uh, was the white tigers and the white lions that they used in their act. They had a whole whole bunch of them. I, one picture had a whole room full of those those big cats. Uh, they they performed together for about 36 years till about 2003. An incident happened in 2003 during one of their acts. Any of you know what that was? Yes. A tiger. The tiger attacked Roy. That would be the guy on the right uh, during the act. The result of that. Uh, oh, by the way, one time. Let me, before I, before I say the result, one time they were fired from a job. They were entertaining on a cruise ship, and, and they sneaked a cheetah on, the, on board the cruise ship, and so they got canned earlier on. But then later on, they became famous for that. But anyway, in 2003, Roy was attacked by that tiger. Uh, it resulted in his spine being severed, and then the big cat dragged him off stage uh, after doing so. Uh, there were several different things. I didn't read all the deals about it, but some were saying he did this wrong and he did that wrong. Well, when you snuggle up next to a, a, a monstrous white tiger, there are really no guarantees that uh, the monstrous tiger won't try to make you his lunch. And uh, anyway, uh, they did retire from showbiz in 2010, and Horn died in 2020, and Siegfried died in, in 2021, not from big cat bites. One had COVID, the other one had cancer. But anyway, uh, I believe that's a good illustration of the way sin does in our life. We get comfortable with it. They look pretty comfortable there, don't you think, with that big white kitty? Uh, but uh, it, it didn't turn out well for them uh, in the long run. I wouldn't want to be in the same house with that cat. <laughs> um, a third thing that we can note about what the way sin acts or our responsibility as far as it's concerned is that we are responsible to take the initiative to master that inclination to sin in a particular area of life. God expects us to take the initiative to master sin that uh, presents itself to us. What are some of the practical ways in which you would do that? Go about uh, uh, taking charge of sin or sin that's presented itself in your life. Recognize it. Obviously, that would be a big part of it, wouldn't it? What if it, uh, you recognize it as sin, then what? There may be several answers to that. Cut out all the influences of it that you like. Cut out the influences of it. Uh, can you think of any verses that, that uh, would indicate that? Flee from it. Flee from it. Uh, Paul told Timothy that. Have you had occasions in your life where sin presented itself, and you took a, a step to get away from it, distance yourself Put yourself in another context so that you would not be constantly 
bombarded with that particular sin problem, uh, that is a, uh, do what? Uh, the Holy Spirit, yes. Uh, obviously, we have that, and we have the Holy Spirit's ministry in our life in a different way in which uh, uh, Cain would have had or those original members of that first family would have. Uh, he wouldn't have been working in their life in the same way as the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So we do have help in that, so it's not like we're, we're in it by ourselves. It's not like we're it, and we're the ones who have to master sin by ourselves. We have the Lord to enable us to do that. One anonymous author says, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. Several have used that quote. I couldn't find where it originally came from, but that's kind of the way it works, isn't it? You've seen it in your own life. You've seen it in other people's life. Sin takes you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you want to pay in the long run. It doesn't seem like it at first, but uh, over time, it seems to turn out that way. So Cain invited Abel to go out to the field with him, and while out in the field, Cain attacked and killed his brother. Who, came, who won, Cain or the lion of sin? Sin won, didn't it? So the murderer then is cursed in verses 9 to 16. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. And you shall be a fugitive and wander on the earth. Now we skip to the conversation with Cain. Where's your brother Abel? Cain said. What did Cain say? I don't know. Was that true? That was a lie. He knew where he was. Um, And then what about the last part? Can you just hear the sarcasm dripping off that? I don't know, am I, am I my brother's keeper? What actually is the answer to that? I, yes, I am my brother's keeper. I am responsible for my brother uh, to minister to him in, in any way I possibly can, uh, but he was not being uh, using it in that kind of a way. I believe he was being very sarcastic. It's kind of weird, the thought of somebody being sarcastic with God, isn't it? Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, Yes, you are. And the Lord said, what have you done? The silence was deafening. Uh, There was no smart aleck answer from Cain on that. And And the Lord said, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. What does that mean? Was there, obviously, was there a, a literal noise coming out of the ground? I doubt that any of us would take it that way. What would you say? A human expression. expression. Yes, a figurative expression. What does it mean? The voice of that blood is crying from the ground. Do what? Okay, okay. Any other thoughts? 
Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. No sin will be unnoticed, including that one. And the murder of your brother cries for justice to be served. Uh, and obviously, God was aware, fully aware of everything that had taken place. He said, you are cursed of God, God said to Cain, and you are driven from the fertile ground upon which you presently live. As a matter of fact, the curse will extend to the soil that you're planting, uh, in which you are planting your crops. What will happen to his crops from then on? When he goes to plant his garden? It'll be like some of the places you planted garden. Well, maybe you all have green thumbs. Um, some of the places that we saw on the way out to California, uh, they looked like it must have been related to where Cain lived. Uh, anyway, furthermore, what would Cain's life be like? According to this passage, you're going to have a great life living in sin. Is that what God said? What was his life going to be like? He's going to be miserable. What about his house, his home life? Was he going to have a house? What was he going to be like? Be lonely. He was going to be like a, a, an ancient times Bedouin. Uh, they still have better ones over in the Mideast today. In fact, Patty met one on the top of the high place there in, uh, in uh, Petra. Uh, there was a Bedouin family that were selling trinkets up toward the top, you know, up where you can look down and the people are this big on the ground. Uh, anyway, so there's still Bedouins today, but Cain was going to be a Bedouin and he was going to be by himself uh, during that time. Cain was not delighted at the prospect. As you see from verse 13, he said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me today from the ground and, your face shall, and from your face I shall be hidden. I'll be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will find me great company. Is that what your Bible says? I hope not. What does it say? Whoever finds me will kill me. Cain was nervous. He was becoming painfully aware that being driven from the land would also have a connection with being hidden from the presence of God. And as a wandering nomad with no home and no relationship with God, he would have a target on his back. So the prospects of Cain's life were not too hot at that time. Uh, incidentally, was there any sign of repentance even when he heard that sentence, there was none. Cain was terribly afraid somebody would indeed murder him as he had murdered his brother. His prospects were not good. Then God said to him, not so if anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Question. What do you think the question is? What was the mark? Well, let me say at the outset, uh, speculation is the only uh, answer we have to that. Some interpreter, interpreters take this as a physical mark and others not so. Uh, a, uh, one a mark that is not physical in nature. But some have speculated the mark was a Hebrew letter placed either on his face or on his arm. 
So name your alphabet and stick it on his arm. Uh, like many Americans in the first era, or excuse me, like many Americans of the era, Mormons of the 19th century common, commonly assumed that Cain's mark was a black skin. So Mormons taught last, in the last century that uh, black people were, were uh, that was a mark of Cain. Uh, how would you argue against that kind of a thing other than it's complete nonsense? Okay, uh, we know of no ancestors of Cain, and it doesn't seem to be like the the uh, curse that was on Canaan. That uh, ne- uh, would be Noah's grandson through uh, who is his dad Ham, and that incident in Genesis. Uh, so anyway, no, that wouldn't be it. How about uh, here's another one? The mark was a brand of infamy, perhaps a disfiguring scar or tattoo that would, would have served a visible mark of God's judgment. Perhaps. Somebody else speculated it was a sign of a pagan cross, which would be a cross. The best I could find was a cross with a circle around the, the middle part of it. Bottom line, do we know? We don't know. We do know that God was going to protect him so that he would not be murdered uh, in a fashion somewhat similar or similar to what he had done to his brother. And finally, in Genesis 4.16, then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I'm glad to see none of you have gone to the land of Nod this morning, (laughs) at least not yet. Uh, But it's a good reminder to us, this passage, sin is crouching at our door as well, and it desires to eat us up, and it will if we give it opportunity. Ran across another example. Zambezi River guide Paul Templer knew that hippos were very dangerous toward uh, human beings. In fact, that they kill about 500 humans each year. Uh, but it didn't take his near death, uh, it didn't make, rather, his near death experience with one any easier. Did that picture not turn out, Frank? It is? Oh, it is. It didn't on mine. Ah, huh, okay, good. While working one day, he noticed his coworker fly out of his kayak. Reaching for him, Templer went blind and deaf. Was he dead? Templer managed to feel around with his free hand and realized he wasn't. He had been swallowed. When the hippo surfaced, it swung him around like a rag doll before spitting him out. In the end, Templer suffered excessive blood loss and lost, lost his left arm, but he survived. The hippo was crouching at Paul Templer's door figuratively and waiting to devour him. It's a good reminder again to us, sin is crouching at our door this very day. Will you master it or will it master you? How about any questions or comments you might have this morning? Philip? Thank you, Philip. That's good. (laughs) Hmm. I'll have to digest that one. (laughs) Anybody else? That was good. Yes.
Can you think of a good verse for us when we've been entertaining sin in our life? Think of a good verse? There's one that's very simple, but it's very profound for us. 1 John 1, 9. Would you say that a little louder? All right. So what does it mean to confess? Go find a priest... Is that what it means? No. What does confess mean? Admit or to say the same thing. It literally means say the same thing as. So acknowledge the same way as God sees your sin. Acknowledge it as being that way and uh, turn from it. And it says he will, he will forgive us uh, from, from that, uh, that sin. All right. Let's pray and be dismissed. Lord, thank you for this morning. We... Uh, this account is a heartbreaking one as we consider that first family and the mayhem that took place in it. Sometimes we have mayhem in our own families and our own lives. We thank you that you are there for us in those kind of days. Uh, you are there to forgive us when we uh, confess our sins and turn from those sins. And so we pray that if any of us are entertaining any things in our lives right now that are crouching at our door, figuratively speaking, that we would take care of those, deal with those decisively, and turn away from them. Thank you for each one here this morning. Thank you for this time, and thank you that we get to have a, a time of fellowship also at the park here shortly. In Jesus' name, amen.